There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of The Dugout from Sportsmall. I'm Pascal Amair and with me here today is Barney Corkill as we tackle football's latest hot topics. On the pod this week, we have Leicester again going clear at the top of the Premier League, Louis van Gaal reportedly offering to resign after another drab Manchester United home display, and a look ahead to the FA Cup fourth round. But we start this week with the big question, is Roberto Martinez's time up at Everton? Barnsley were watching last night as they went out of the League Cup at the hands of City and just six Premier League wins all season. They have struggled. What's your take on the situation? It's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because I've mentioned it a few times this season, there's so much to be positive about from an Everton perspective at the moment. The attack and football they play is among the best in the league. They've scored 40 goals in the Premier League this season. Only three teams scored more, but just at the other end, they're leaking far too many goals. You look at their defence and you think it's a decent defence, but it's a very attacking defence. You've got Coleman and Baines, we all know their attacking qualities. Stones loves to play the ball out from the back. He loves to just play football. He's a ball-playing centre-back and that's that's a good thing if he he cuts out the mistakes and he is only a young young player. I think we need to let him make mistakes because I think he's got the quality to be top class. But at the moment, a few mistakes he has made have put a lot of pressure on his side. It was the same against Swansea as well um, mm. at the weekend in the Premier League defeat to Swansea. It was his back pass towards Howard that uh, created the penalty for Swansea's opening goal. So there are mistakes he needs to cut out of the game. He's not the finished product yet. He is going to learn, but that's just one of the problems for Everton at the moment there's no doubt that they're underachieving you mentioned only six wins all season they've also only lost six games this season which is fewer than Liverpool up there in seventh same amount as Manchester United up in fifth so the draws are the biggest problem Mm. but something needs to be sorted because they're underachieving greatly they were such a good young team they should be doing better personally I think he deserves a little bit more time to try and turn things around as I mentioned it is a young team and I think they've got a bright future. But if if he doesn't turn things around before the end of the season, perhaps, then maybe they might be looking at a new manager. I think the thing that you could counter it with is that you could say they have been you know, very unlucky, especially in recent weeks. You know, you looked last night, they started the game pretty well, scored a great goal uh, through Barkley. Then, you know, City, they obviously were going to dominate from that point. But Everton, they had a two-goal cushion in the tie. And then, obviously, they get that deflected goal, City to equalise, very fortunate. And then the second goal, I mean... It was just one of those where the ball looked out and for for them to say it wasn't out, they had to be really confident. It was just one of those where I just thought it, it looked out. And the weird thing for me, you mentioned Stones there. I think there's a couple of times this season where he really, he's, the way he's acted in certain situations, I've been really surprised by it. I remember once there was a game against, uh, I think it was Barnsley earlier on in the League Cup, where he just didn't even bother to try and block a shot when it was right there. And then last night, he was stood right over that uh, ball when Sterling was trying to cross it. And he just didn't even seem that bothered when you know the, the ball went in. If, if that was me, you know, in a situation like that, I'd be going mad at the referee because he he was looking right over it and surely saw that the ball did go out. I was really surprised he didn't seem uh, that up for it. And you know, in, yeah, in cleverly the... was the only one who actually looked like he was mm. um, complaining to the referee, which was interesting because as you mentioned, it was quite clearly out, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think you know, in the summer when all, there was all that transfer talk about him, everyone was saying how well he played at the start of the season. You know, in, in response to all the. Uh, links with Chelsea and stuff but you know in recent weeks especially you know you mentioned 
you know, the the pass he did to Howard at the weekend. If he just if he played that pass, you know, three seconds earlier or just lumped it up the field, they don't concede there. And certainly in recent weeks, he hasn't played that well. I mean, obviously he's been shifted over to right back for a couple of games because of uh, Coleman's injury. But for me, he it's weird. What it's it's a big few weeks for him. I think maybe if Martinez, I think he should maybe make a bold decision and maybe drop him uh, maybe this week. Well, it was quite interesting that he got moved to right back um, at, uh, last night for the League Cup tie because obviously he's usually played centre back. Jaggy Elka came in. Most people expected Coleman to come in at right back, so it was mm. quite interesting. He he tried him out at a new position where perhaps a mistake wouldn't bring such immediate pressure on the defence and on on the the goalkeeper. So it was interesting he did that. Maybe the next step is to drop him because Funes Mori. He's been decent since he came in. Jaggy Elka, obviously, we know his qualities as well. You can't really say any of the Everton defenders have been outstanding this season mm-hmm. simply because of the fact they've conceded so many goals. But you mentioned them being lucky in that man in that man, unlucky sorry in that Man City game, and there's no doubt that second goal shouldn't have counted and first goal was obviously deflected. But Man City, they were on top in that game. They hit the post hit the post twice. Could have won by more. It could have been more comfortable for City. So. I don't think they can have too many complaints at losing that one. Obviously, the goal that really did change the game was the De Bruyne one, but City could have had a couple before then as well. So I don't think they can look at that one as too um, too unlucky. Obviously, a couple of weeks ago, when you look at John Terry's offside, they yeah. were unlucky in that respect. But, you know, luck is a cliche, but luck does tend to balance itself out over yeah. the season. For Everton to be in the second half of the table um, at this stage of the season is really not good enough. I think one thing that is in Martinez's favour is He's got Bill Kenwright as a chairman still. It's talk of him getting rid of the club soon, but he's still chairman. And he's not a sacking manager. He, I think he became chairman 12 years ago, something like that, in 2004. Yeah. He hasn't sacked a single manager since then. David Moyes obviously left to go to Manchester United, but he's never sacked a manager. So he will back Martinez. The fans might not be happy with that. I know there's a few fans who want him gone now because they're just too frustrated yeah, yeah. at what's happening. But I think... Martinez has got a good chairman in Bill Kenwright who will give him time and I think he does need a bit of time I think yeah certainly there's certain things that Martinez has definitely done right I mean bringing through young players is something that Everton have done brilliantly the last couple of years you look at where Barkley is now you know their best players the ones that hold the most value all very young Stones, Barkley, Lukaku even Delafay who's had a fantastic season uh, this year and that's something they've certainly done right I think personally I think he, he shouldn't go and well I mean this weekend's a massive game for them you know you know they're not going to finish in a European place in the t- in the league this season unless they have a, a really strong you know last uh, last fifteen games of the season. But Carlisle in the FA Cup this weekend, if they lose that one, then obviously the pressure will be absolutely huge because a trophy is the thing that Everton you know have gone twenty one years without now and obviously came very very close to it in the League Cup this year. And I think if they lose at the weekend, then the pressure will just be really really growing. But I think Martinez he obviously makes them play great football, a uh, very young core, very exciting uh, core of players. But I think. I think maybe what Everton need is maybe just for him to take less charge of perhaps the defensive side of things and maybe bring in a new, I don't know, a new first team coach, maybe to just something to change the defence because that's where, like you said, they've been making all the errors this season. You know, they've scored plenty of goals. Um, uh, like you said, fourth top scorers in the league, only behind you know Spurs, City, and uh, Leicester. So that part of the game is obviously doing well. But I think maybe just the change with the coaching uh, would help them. Uh, you know, win games like last night, and you know, not concede late goals like they did against Chelsea. And you know, they should be beating teams at home like Swansea at the weekend. That was a, that was a uh, poor defeat there. I mean, I know the second goal was deflected again, and you can maybe claim they're unlucky, but they should be outscoring Swansea even with if they conceded a, a deflected goal like that. Yeah, but the bringing in the new first team coach, I'm I'm not sure that's that's the answer really because 
I think this is the Martinez style of playing from back to front. He likes mm. his team playing out from the back. So to to bring in a new coach who just who sort of goes against that and doesn't always play out from the back, I think that would uh, that, that might not be the answer because Martinez clearly wants his whole team to to do that. The the answer really I think is to to respond in an open game to losing the ball respond quickly because teams can hit them so quickly so easily on the break yeah. every time the ball went up to Aguero in that League Cup uh, semi-final he looked like scoring because it's just movement in behind there was so much space to, for uh, City to operate in and when they've got that quality of player they can hurt Everton so I'm not sure bringing in a new coach that would change the style of the defence would work but certainly the defence does need an improvement there's, there's no doubt about that one yeah, I've seen. I saw a couple of tweets last night just saying, you know, I've seen apparently some Wigan fans saying this is very much like watching what Wigan were like under Martinez, just with sort of better players. You know, quite exciting at times, but so susceptible to conceding goals. And if that's the formula that Everton are going with, it's not really going to bring success because you know they'll they'll pick up some really impressive wins and you know defeat some big teams. But over the course of the season, it's not really going to work out. And that's proving it this year, really, isn't it? Because you look at the table now, what they got 29 points, Everton, so they're only actually, you know, it's, I mean, I'm sure they're not going to get into the relegation, but only eight points, you know, above the bottom of the relegation zone. When you see teams like Newcastle, Bournemouth, obviously they lost to Swansea at the weekend, Chelsea just there below them as well. So it's, it's very possible they could fall even further in the table. And considering, you know, what's happened in the league this year, and you look at teams like Chelsea drop in and teams say like I mean they, what Everton fans must see Leicester up there and you know three points clear at the top doing so well and think why is that not us because you know on paper you'd say Everton have got a much stronger squad than Leicester yeah and you still consider with the squad they've got they should be challenging for the top four but you mentioned that eight points off the relegation zone 13 off the top four so they're quite comfortably closer to the relegation zone than they are to those Champions League places at the moment so it is an interesting one. Like you, I don't see them getting dragged into that relegation battle. I think the the bottom seven or eight, perhaps, with starting with West Brom downwards, they're they're all more susceptible than Everton are to getting dragged in. I, I still got a feeling that Everton might be able to salvage a top half finish at least because if they can sort out the defensive uh, defensive frailties, then they've got a winning formula for sure. But yeah, for for now, I think the top four is out of the question. European places perhaps maybe just out of reach but I, th- I think top four is a more realistic uh, top uh, top half sorry is a more realistic goal for them certainly don't see them getting dragged into the relegation battle okay so back to the uh, initial question uh, so is his time up or do you think you should, so you think he should be given more time yeah I think he should be given more time because he's got a young team they're going to make mistakes Things were, if they can keep hold of this team, the future is really bright for them because Stones is only going get to get better. Barkley has been fantastic this season. He's only going to get better. Lukaku, you'd imagine the same. Delafello as well, the same. So I definitely think they've got a bright future. And Martinez, he's given them all a chance. I think he deserves a bit of time to, to see that future uh, come to fruition. Only thing I'd say is I'd, I'm, not, I'm not sure they can keep all those three players uh, in the summer. I mean, unless they go and win the FA Cup and, you know, Martinez is still there and. Say they go and win the FA Cup and finish, I don't know, ninth or something. Then obviously that brings European football, and then there's an incentive to stay. But you know these players, like we've mentioned, there they have all really impressed this season. If Everton finish way that where they are now, say you know twelfth in the table, uh, knocked out in the FA Cup at the fifth or sixth round or something, and I, I personally can't see maybe any of those three staying. If you know, it's because 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 especially say Stones and Barkley, they're English talent as well, and we know how much how valuable an, young English players are in the modern game because 
the whole homegrown quota and with so many players coming in from you know uh, foreign countries you want you want to the big clubs they want to sign uh, you know the best English talents you've seen the money that's spent on say you know Luke Shaw by United I just can't I think that clubs like that will come in uh, for Everton's best players and if they get a mid-table finish out of both cups I personally can't see those players staying and then if they go then you might as well change the manager as well I think and maybe do a fresh start there so I personally can't see it and I think I can't see him getting sacked before the end of the season but at the same time I think he might go in the summer because I can't really see this season as salvageable unless they go and win the FA Cup Yeah, I mean those three players you mentioned there it's not out of the question that Everton would get between 120 to 150 million for those three players so it's a lot of money for them to turn down to be honest yeah so and as you mentioned they will they are bright young players they will aspire to to greater things if Everton do only finish mid-table so yeah that could be a decent point if they do if they do um, get sold then Martinez perhaps the argument for keeping him which I've made is is redundant now so yeah that's a, that's a good point I think yeah uh, let's move on to the other uh, League Cup semi-final on Tuesday night um, you were watching that one uh, Liverpool go through on penalties um, deserve winners over the two legs over the two legs I think they were yeah, they were the better team in the first they probably should have won by more than one goal certainly better in the first half of the first leg second half Stoke came back into it but um, Liverpool deserved their win in that one second leg it wasn't a very good game Stoke were the better team but they weren't exactly very good they only had one shot on target in the um, in the ni- in the ni- in original 90 another one in extra time as well and that shot on target their goal was offside as well so probably shouldn't have counted um, Liverpool were diabolical in that match they had to wait until first minute of extra time to come up with their first shot on target which it's just so frustrating for Liverpool fans because the inconsistency you score five against Norwich in one of the best games of the season such such a thrilling match defensively terrible but going forward much better and then a, a few days later defensively they're sound Sacco had a really good game against Stoke they kept them at bay um, even though they were on the back foot for long spells of that match, but then attacking, they come up with absolutely nothing. It's just inconsistencies. Mm. Um, obviously, the main thing was to get through to the final. They've only won one trophy since 2006, which isn't good enough for a team like Liverpool. And for Klopp to do it within four months of uh, becoming manager, obviously a great start for him. If he can pick up a trophy that early on in his reign, it's a fantastic start for him. So the main objective was to get through. They achieved that, but again, the performance was not good enough. Yeah, I think the thing for Stoke uh, in that tie was just how poor they were in the in the first leg at home. You, you really thought they might, have, especially what they've done to some of the big teams at home. You know, they convincingly beat both Manchester clubs uh, in the Premier League, and that I mean, I, th- I thought the first leg they were so disappointing how how little they offered, and obviously Liverpool got the goal, uh, Jordan Ibe with the goal, and I just thought that they didn't do enough in that first leg. Obviously, they did come back in the second leg and only lost on the lottery of penalties, but I think the way Liverpool have been playing the last month or so, they've looked a bit devoid of confidence and. I mean, I know you, you mentioned the Norwich game there, saying it's one of the best games of the season. I thought if I, I go, I'd go the other way and say it might be one of the worst games of the season, I, I did the commentary for it, and I thought that the defending from both teams was just so so bad. It was abysmal. I thought like, it was just inexcusable some of the times. You know, for uh, Norwich's second and third goals, the way that um, Lucas and Emre Chan they just stood like statues as Naismith uh, ran through, and it's just such basics. How did they not see him? And I think Klopp must have shown them back that video uh, from the weekend and said. You know, because they were better defensively against Stoke. You know, like you said, the only goal Stoke scored uh, was offside. But yeah, the game of the weekend for me, that Norwich Liverpool one, it was just from both teams. The defending was so bad, like just not marking, and it's kind of 
shows what the Premier League has been a bit like this season, isn't it? You know, quite exciting. You know, for the most part, lots of entertaining games, but some of the defending from teams at all all ends of the table has been just diabolical. Yeah, I think gone are the days when Chelsea can see fifteen goals on the way to winning the title, aren't they? They're just a few just a few years ago, we were talking about the big, the top four, the big four, and how they were going to be the same every season. You can't see anyone coming into it, and obviously it's it's better for the teams not in the top four. They've got more of a chance now. It's a lot more competitive the Premier League now, but I do think that's as much to do with the lower teams improving as it is the better teams getting worse. You just look at the Champions League. The, you know, there was an English team in the final every year from 2005 to 2009, and then again. 2011-2012 they were among Europe's elite then but right now you wouldn't put any of the uh, top English teams among Europe's elite you know Barcelona Real Madrid Bayern Munich are just on a different planet to the top English teams at the moment so I definitely think the top English teams have got worse and the the, the ones below them have got better which makes for a more competitive uh, entertaining probably uh, Premier League a lot more shocks um you don't find you got Arsenal invincibles uh, twelve years ago, and then a season after that, when Chelsea conceded fifteen, they only lost one game all season. So, over two seasons, the champions only lost one game. It's just not going to happen anymore. And I think that is a good thing for the Premier League as a whole. But um, as you mentioned, yeah, the, the gap between them the, uh, has definitely closed, and the the top teams like Liverpool used to be in in the top four. They've certainly closed, and that five four against Norwich was an example of that. Yeah, I think what you mentioned about the Invincibles and um, Chelsea sort of 10 years ago or so is kind of that dominance they had obviously probably helped them in the sense that they didn't have to work as hard in the league week in week out and that probably helps you in Europe you look at you know especially say Bayern Munich and I mean Barcelona and Real Madrid most weeks you know if they're not playing one of the big teams it's it's a canter most weeks for them to win their league games and that surely that must help them uh, going into Europe because if say you know, you look at say City, at the, you know, going to West Ham. That's a really tough game for them at the weekend. They concede inside a minute. I mean, obviously that's poor defending from their point of view, conceding inside a minute. But from then, it's a real slog for them. The whole ninety minutes. It's, there's so many tough games in the Premier League. Surely that does affect teams in Europe when uh, when it comes to. It. I mean, I know we're not in the Champions League at the moment, but over the course of a season, just how how much of a grind the Premier League is. I think that that is hurting uh, teams, English teams in Europe, because they're not enjoying as much dominance uh, domestically. Yeah, and you've got to weigh up whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Obviously, if you're a mm. fan of one of the teams in the Champions League or Europa League, you're going to be more inclined to say it's a bad thing. But for the whole league as a whole, I think it's definitely a good thing. I think it makes for a more entertaining spectacle. I think that's why people say the Premier League is the most entertaining in the league. Most people say it's the best in the league. I'm not uh, best in the world, so I'm not 100% sure about that one because, as you mentioned, some of the defending this season taking that 5-4 Liverpool-Norwich game as an example has been terrible if Liverpool played like that against Barcelona or Real Madrid they're going to get hit for 6 or more so there's certainly I don't think it's in terms of quality I don't think it's the best league in the world but I certainly think it's the most entertaining and it's just whether you want entertainment or pure quality ideally you'd have a bit of both but I like the entertaining side of it yeah yeah definitely I think it was I mean personally as a fan you know, I support a championship team and I think it's great seeing all these other teams doing well, and uh, I, but you, you, but then when you speak to fans of United and all that, they hate this open league because they they like knowing that at the start of the season they're definitely going to finish in the top four and they like that security. But yeah, as a fan of as a, someone who doesn't support one of those teams, I think it's great. But I mean, touching on United, there you know another really bad performance uh, they had at the weekend. One 0 at home to Southampton. It was 
Again, I watched that game. I thought they were just atrocious in that game. Barely ever troubled Southampton. I'm not saying Southampton were great, but obviously they went there with a game plan. Southampton frustrated United, then got the goal. Uh, Charlie Austin coming off the bench, scoring on his debut. Obviously a great moment for him, but Van Gaal um, reportedly offered to resign, and I've read reports that Ed Woodward sort of talked him out of resigning. You know, United seemed really keen to keep him there, even though you know this season has been one. I think they're worst after 23 games uh, in the Premier League, and. Uh, worse than when David Moyes was there. Um, what do you think? Is Van Gaal should he go? It's surely time up now. Well, I thought time was up after that Stoke defeat on Boxing Day. To be honest, it seemed certain that he would go there. They did have an improvement of results after that, but the performances still weren't there. You think back to that Liverpool game; that wasn't a very good performance. Newcastle game better going forward, but pretty much any other season in the Premier League Manchester United would have comfortably won that one to draw three all at St James's Park really poor result Sheffield United won in the FA Cup was genuinely one of the worst games I've ever seen of football it was just so poor United against League One opposition just couldn't do anything to break them down and it was another thing another case of that in the Southampton one it was a really poor display just just we, we were just talking about entertainment United are the antithesis of that they're just so boring at the moment and it's not enjoyable to watch. I think that is the main thing. You mentioned the worst win percentage of the Moyes, fewer points than Moyes, and when you spent a quarter of a billion pounds since coming over, Van Hal needs to do better than that. We At the start of the season, we were saying they need to be challenging for the title because finishing fourth last season, perhaps a, you know the main thing was getting back into the Champions League after that David Moyes era. But after that, the, the amount of money he spent... They really should be pushing for the title this season. It's not good enough, I think. When you look at Mourinho being potentially available, Guardiola potentially available at the end of the season, I think Van Gaal does have to go because he hasn't done well enough, especially with the money he spent. Mm. I think you mentioned those two guys there. I mean, personally for me, I think, well, obviously Guardiola's the man to get this summer. Um, the thing is, like City, I'd say City probably looking pretty good uh, to win the league now, given... I mean, obviously Leicester three points clear at the moment, but City, given you know Aguero's you know back to his best the last couple of weeks, and uh, Arsenal obviously dropping points last weekend. I think City looking good. I mean, they might have, you know they're in the League Cup final. Um, you know, probably now favourites to win the Premier League. But it's going to be very hard for them to uh, get rid of Pellegrini if he does a double or a treble. You know, and I think it's an interesting decision for City because obviously they're the ones that have sort of led the race for Guardiola, but. In terms of playing the whole this whole play in the Manchester United way and all that, and getting rid of the boringness, I think you know Guardiola would be would be the way to go for them because Mourinho is going to come in and you know do his thing, you know get a lot of you know one and two nil wins at home and just obviously solidify them. But I don't know. I, I think Guardiola would be the right choice for United if if they want to go back to playing the Manchester United way. But you know, are City going to uh, go from? I think it's going to be a very inter- interesting summer in terms of managerial uh, sort of merry-go-round. Yeah, and that might depend on if Van Hal. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It makes it to the summer because if, if he goes before that, then United might just try and snap up Mourinho just in case they wouldn't get Guardiola in the summer. But 
personally, I think Mourinho is more suited to United as a club. I think he's got that. Obviously, Guardiola's been at the biggest clubs in the world, but Mourinho's got that aura about him that would really suit Manchester United. I think. I think he said before that after that he would never manage another English club after Chelsea for the second time, but obviously that didn't pan out for him. And he's spoken since about how he would like the Manchester United job. Uh, Ferguson tried to get him the United job when when he resigned as well. So they've been after him for a while. I think he's been after the job for a while, and I think they would be a good fit. Guardiola. I think it's still too much of a rebuilding job really for him to take it. Every job he's come into so far, he's had among the best squads in the world. Um, I think I, I do think City would, would even get rid of Pellegrini if he wins the league and, and the League Cup. Probably even the uh, the FA Cup as well if he wins the treble. I still think they'd get rid of him because City have got these ambitions to be like the top European teams and they operate usually on a structure of you know, three or four years, new manager, no matter how successful he's been. You look, you look at Mourinho, won the league with Real Madrid against arguably the, the greatest club side of all time in Barcelona. Uh, Jupp Heinick has won the treble with Bayern Munich and then left. I know he had agreed to leave before actually winning the treble, but it's how they operate, really. Carlo Ancelotti, fantastic success at Real Madrid, but, you know, he moved along. It's three or four um, year uh, schedules for these managers at the top European clubs, and that's where... City want to go for. I know Pellegrini's spoken in the past about how the City board operate a little differently to the likes of Florentino Perez at Real Madrid, give the manager a bit more backing, but I think that's what they're trying to emulate and I wouldn't be too surprised to see his cycle come to an end just to get Guardiola because he guarantees them pretty much, with especially with the money at his disposal, he guarantees them um, success certainly over a three-year period. The, the concern might be that he's not there for the long term, but you'd also say Pellegrini's probably not there for the long term considering his age. Yeah, and then you can't forget about Chelsea either. Obviously, Hiddings there and interim manager at the moment. But I mean, unless I mean, obviously he's still unbeaten. Uh, Gus Hiddink there, he's, he's he's doing okay since Mourinho left, but you wouldn't really expect to see him uh, get an extended deal at the end of the season. Then you know, Chelsea they might go in for you know Guardiola or obviously not Mourinho going back there, but. Um, they've been linked with um, Allegri over in Italy as well, but it'd be interesting to see what they do. And I think maybe the lure of obviously London's a, a, a bit of a lure for some managers, but um, I think Guardiola's at Chelsea would be a very interesting one because that's more of that kind of he'd obviously have the money there. He's got a very talented squad there already, and a squad that's just underperformed this season. It'd be a real chance for him to turn it round. But I think going back to United, it's we talked about Everton having a huge FA Cup tie this weekend, but United, you know, they've got a really difficult one. Uh, they go to Derby, who are obviously doing quite well in the Championship. Had a couple of uh, bad results recently, but that's a really tough game for them on Friday night uh, in the FA Cup fourth round. But apart from, I mean, all, most of the big boys are still sort of left in the FA Cup. Um, Leicester, they did, obviously, the Premier League leaders. They went out uh, losing to Spurs in the last round. But I think you're looking at the ties this weekend in the FA Cup. I think it's very possible that sort of all those big names who have won the trophy you know, plenty of times and in recent years, they could all go through this weekend. Yeah, the, I think only Man City and Liverpool are the ones with Premier League opposition and Man City's against Aston Villa, who, as we know, are bottom of the table. Liverpool, of the bit, the traditionally bigger boys, you'd say obviously they got the toughest tie at home to West Ham and they haven't been good against West Ham so far this season, lost both of their games pretty comfortably, so mm. that's certainly a tough one for them. But Arsenal home to Burnley, Tottenham got Colchester away, United a tricky one away to Derby, but you know, it's a division, a, low, a division below you'd expect them to win. Chelsea away to MK Dons, even Everton away to Carlisle, as we mentioned earlier. You'd expect all of them to go through those ones. So, yeah, it should be a good uh, weekend for the um, for the Premier League teams, the Premier League big teams at least. Certainly a lot of um, scope for 
upsets there, which we all love to see in the FA Cup. But I, I think most of the Premier League teams would be pretty confident of getting through that. And for, you mentioned it being a big game for Man United. I mean, you think that they haven't won this trophy since 2004, I think, mm. for a club like Manchester United. You know, I think they've won it 11, 11 times before in their history, which was a record before Arsenal won their last two. It's too long for a club like that. So I think Van Gaal will be putting a lot of importance on this competition, even if his job wasn't um, potentially on the line this uh, on, on Friday night. Mm. I think if they lose that, I think surely... I mean, if he's if it's true that he's uh, offered to resign after that defeat to Southampton, if they go and lose at Derby... Um, there's going to be so many people calling for his head that I can't see him surviving the weekend and being there for the uh, uh, midweek round of fixtures after that because you know surely he's got to go after that. Yeah, you'd think so, but but as I say, I I did not expect him to survive at all after that Stoke defeat. It's everything seemed to point to him going, but he remained defiant. I was quite surprised to be honest to see reports that he'd um, asked to resign because I didn't think he would ever do that. I thought. Mm. You know, I thought Stoke was pretty much as bad as it would get and there were no reports of him resigning there. He wanted to fight it out. So I was quite surprised to see those reports. I'm not sure I fully believe them, but you know, if it is true, then that is uh, really worrying for United if the manager's even lost it. If, and if they don't get a good result against Derby, they've got Stoke at home in the next match. You mentioned earlier Stoke have got some good results against some big teams including against Manchester United already this season it meant as we said the, the Stoke one was what piled all the pressure mm. on Van Hal originally so that could be another make or break one for him on the Tuesday after the FA Cup tie so it's definitely a big week for them he, whether he's res- offered to resign or not I'm not sure but certainly if without good results in those next two games the pressure will be right back on him after uh, you know they, they went through a decent run in terms of results if not performances which eased a bit of the pressure on him but it'll be right back on him in the, over the next couple of games yeah, you mentioned Stoke there, obviously doing well against some of the big teams, but one team uh, they didn't do so well against was last weekend. They obviously went to Leicester, the Premier League leaders, lost 3-0 there. Um, Leicester kind of, you know, gone three points clear. Arsenal losing to Chelsea, City drawing at West Ham. Can can Leicester win the league, Bond? Well, I said last week, I think they certainly need to be in the, in the reckoning because they've shown, they, you know, this is over half the season gone. They've played everyone, played a couple of teams twice and they've still only lost twice which is fewer than anyone else in the league. No team's won more than them, only Man City have scored more than them. They certainly deserve to be in the reckoning, all the stats prove it, they're three points clear after 23 games. It's a fantastic record and I think you'll be doing them a disservice to say they're not in the title race now. The 3 no one you'd say Stoke probably did have one eye on the League Cup semi-final, it's probably their worst performance of the season so far to lose 3-0 to Leicester but Leicester still got the victory you know Vardy back on the score sheet as well that's all they can do is keep on picking up victories and you, you do back them they, they went through a little blip that was always going to happen mm. over the, um, at some point in the season they they couldn't carry on they look relentless at times this season they couldn't carry on like that no team really has in Premier League history even when you consider the, the biggest uh, title wins throughout that era no team has gone through the whole season just looking unstoppable the whole way so it was always going to happen and I think the way they bounce back from that if they can build on this 3-0 win against Stoke will be really important but you know three points clear after 23 games they can definitely win the title yeah and I think that obviously them not being in the FA Cup like I mentioned you know you've got all the other teams up there still in the FA Cup that's gonna that's gonna help Leicester because all they've got to play for now is the Premier League and City. Yeah, other team, other teams in Europe as well, of course. Yeah, teams in Europe, cities in the League Cup final as well. So things are looking good for them. But I'd I'd keep an eye out for Spurs as well. I think that was such a good weekend for them. Obviously, Leicester did win, but 
with Arsenal losing, City drawing. So that was a great weekend for Spurs. They're only two points behind City and Arsenal now. and um, Very impressive win at Palace. Harry Kane on the score sheet again in the Deli Alley. Um, that absolutely fantastic goal. Was that goal of the season for you? Certainly up there. The, I mean, so difficult to do, to flick it over yeah. and then volley. It was, it was a world-class goal. Um, when the ball's from... coming over your head like that, it's, it's so hard to do that, watch the ball coming over and to strike it like that. It's such a good skill. Yeah, I mean, I can't... I... I can't really think of any better so far this season off the top of my head. It was a fantastic goal. Matt Ritchie is the only other one I'd probably say. That one he scored for Bournemouth against yeah. Sunderland. That was that was a great volley as well. But mm, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly in the reckoning. I expect it to be there because just such a skillful goal from such a skillful player as well. I've spoken of my admiration for him already. I think he is going to be a star. I think there's always a question over. You know, there's a big hype about him with MK Dons. Uh, down in the lower leagues, there's always a question whether they make the step up. I think the move of loaning him back to MK Dons after signing him was a good one, and then the the, the progress he's made this season has been fantastic. He's just taken to uh, the Premier League like a duck to water, and he's been superb. Depending on it, it doesn't matter really what role he's been playing in. In a more attacking role, he looks really dangerous. In a more defensive role, he looks really solid as well. So he's versatile in midfield. I think he's got a really bright future, and that goal was just. The icing on the cake of what's been a superb season so far. And yeah, I was just just looking at Spurs' next few fixtures. You probably say that they've got a real chance here to maybe go above some of the teams above them. Look who's coming up. They've got obviously Colchester. That's you know you expect them to win that FA Cup tie. But then go to Norwich, then Watford at home, and then there's a big one uh, the week after uh, City away. But they're obviously still in the Europa League as well. It's, it'd be interesting to see how much importance they. I mean, obviously in the group stage, they you know they they changed their team quite a lot. Um, but you know. Potentially, I mean, if they're right up there, they might be putting out second string in the Europa League, and maybe, you know, they could not throw the Europa League, but not play as much importance to it because if they're right up there, the top four race, obviously, there's a better chance probably for them of finishing the top four than winning the Europa League. So, be interested to see what they do. But I was just thinking there about imagine if you know Pochettino. Everyone's been saying how well he's done, and the players seem to really. I mean, imagine if Pochettino was at Everton with like similar kind of young squad. Do you think that you know he because he's obviously tends to do much better defensively do you think that he'd be doing a better job with Everton than Martinez is? Definitely I think he'd be he'd certainly have them as top four contenders with that attacking talent and that defence you know Tottenham defenses, Tottenham's defensive record as you mentioned is the best in the league so far this season so he's certainly got a solid base I think he's got better defenders available to him at Tottenham but mm. I think certainly he'd improve Everton's defence and if anything improve uh, their attack as well because you look at Tottenham's attacking record, they've scored more goals than Everton this season. I wouldn't put too much difference between the attacking talents at uh, both of their disposals. I think Everton have got almost as much quality as Tottenham have going forward. So I think certainly he could turn them into um, Champions League contenders. I'm not surprised to see Pochettino being linked with you know, the Chelsea job. I think yeah. if I was Pochettino, I'd, I'd quite fancy sticking around with Tottenham because like Everton I think and even more so than Everton I think that's an exciting young project an exciting team if they can keep them together the likes of Kane Ali are just going to grow they've got a really solid defensive partnership just I've spoken about it before the balance of the team I really like this Tottenham team and mm. Pochettino has done a fantastic job he did superb at Southampton he's done really well at Tottenham so far I think he's one of the best managers in the league and it's not a surprise to see uh, Chelsea going in for him, but if I was him, I'd want to stick around at Tottenham. Certainly think he'd do a better job at Everton than Martinez has. Yeah, I just think maybe Spurs are just maybe, say, uh, one or two players away from having that real you know, title-winning squad. You know, they definitely need... I mean, if Harry Kane gets injured, they are, you know, they're, they're really in trouble up front because 
you know, Son Heung-min, he's had he's he's scored a couple of really important goals for them, but he's not done too much. And I think maybe they just need another player in that kind of three behind Kane because Lamella blows a bit hot and cold for me. And I mean, Ali's been fantastic, but I mean, Eriksen's good as well. But I think maybe just another player there. But in terms of they haven't really done too much in January, but outgoings they did uh, sell uh, Andros Townsend to Newcastle. What do you make of that move? Yeah, interesting one that one. I think it's twelve million pounds again. I think it was a lot, a lot of money for a player who hasn't played this season. Obviously, had that falling out with the coach at Tottenham and hasn't really featured since. For me, the jury's still out on him. He had that spell where he was, he was really he went through a fantastic spell for England and mm, yeah. was one of the first names on the team sheet. He seemed to score almost every time he played for England and went through a decent spell for Tottenham at the same period. But for me, he's. I put him in the same bracket as you know an Aaron Lennon. He's he's exciting at times to watch. He's got the pace, burn. He can go past defenders, but then the, the end product's usually not really good enough. He for me, he's he shoots far too often. Almost every time he gets a sight of goal, he goes for goal, which which worked during that spell with England. He got that really good goal. I remember his first goal for the for his country. I think it was. Mm. It works sometimes, but it's just he's too selfish. He he wastes some good opportunities. It's an interesting one. He. I think I mean it could work out if he can re- rediscover his form and if he gets a bit more regular football, which he's never really had at Tottenham. He's been in and out of the team most of the time. So if he can nail down a starting spot at Newcastle, then it could work out for him. But it's an interesting one. It's, a, it's I think it's a bit of a gamble to spend that much money on him, but it could work out for Newcastle. I'll be interested to see how it pans out. Yeah, I think since uh, since he sort of made his well since he scored his first international goal, he scored as many goals for England as he has at club level. So. You know, he's. I, mean, I think it was against Italy. He scored that great goal. Uh, I think it was last year with his right foot as well. But I think looking at the sort of Newcastle starting lineup from last weekend, he's probably going to have to. Well, unless they can fit him in with Sissoko uh, and Wijnaldum, he might have to displace one of those, and that might be quite hard to do because you, know, you might say they're two of Newcastle's best players. Be interesting to see who they've brought in. Um, but as for Newcastle, you know, that's, they've spent spent a lot of money, haven't they? That's twelve million they spent on Shelby uh, and Townsend, two sort of. Obviously, England, sort of England internationals who kind of lost their way this season, you know, both of them. So hopefully, obviously McLaren's hoping to get them back to their best form. But I think the Townsend one, I kind of agree with you in the sense that it's a lot of money to spend on a player who had, you know, lost his way a bit this season. But undeniably, he's he, on his day, he can be very, very good in the Premier League. But I don't know if he's the kind of player that... It's, it's Newcastle is a weird situation there because they, they had a couple of good wins, but they're still their overall form isn't really good enough to stay up. There's still two points from safety, uh, even after Norwich got beat uh, by Liverpool last weekend. And uh, with Bournemouth are playing really well at the moment, the way they're going, it's, and with Swansea winning at Everton, it's tough to say that. I think maybe it's Norwich or Newcastle now looking at the table, but yeah, I'm not sure about too much about Newcastle's business. But one other signing this week was. Um, Adebayor to Palace that's a really interesting move because Palace they've struggled for strikers all season long often not playing with one and Adebayor's sort of been out in the cold since leaving Spurs it's certainly an interesting one but is he going to be just the next Marouane Schumach well yeah it's a, it is another gamble the thing I'd say about Adebayor which he's got in his favour ahead of the likes of Schumach is he does usually have an impact when he joins a club but in the first few months he does make an impact I don't. I certainly don't think it's a long-term answer. You just got to look at his club history. He seems to have fallen out with every club he's ever been at. It just makes a big impact. Scores a few good goals. Everyone thinks you know they finally cracked the answer to Adebayor, and then it, and then he just goes out in the cold. They fall out of him and just completely runs out of form and just doesn't get in the team. It, it happened twice at um, 
at Tottenham. He was out of the cold under Villas Boas, came back in under Sherwood, scored a few important goals, fell out of favour again, and then obviously got released. He's been out in the cold, so it is an interesting one for sure. I said last week that I think uh, Palace are centre forward away from being real, genuine European challengers because they've got a really good squad. They just needed someone, someone to put the ball in the back of the net. So if it does work out for them, it could be a very, very good signing. I think Adebayo's got the the attributes to. Uh, make a short-term impact, but for me, it's not a long-term answer. I think in the summer, they'll need to revisit that, perhaps go for another striker. For the rest of the season, though, if he can have a similar impact to the immediate one where he's had at other clubs, then it could be enough for Palace to really challenge European places, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, they're going to have to turn around their form pretty soon, because they've lost four in a row, um, not one in five, I don't think, Palace. So they've been really struggling in recent weeks, and uh, I mean, Kabai's missed a couple of games, Balassi's been out injured the last couple of weeks. They have struggled there but and you look at their fixtures you know three of those defeats against you know Chelsea City and Spurs and look at their fixtures coming up this is where they have to really turn it around because they've been in poor form recently but they've got Bournemouth at home uh, next week then it's Swansea away Watford at home West Brom away Sunderland away so all teams uh, currently in the bottom half I think or yeah uh, Watford just above them but so they need to turn it around quickly because it's been really poor form of late and I think yeah like you said the impact of Adebayor should be good but He's not played football, you know, at all this season. Spurs didn't want him, and they had that long dispute over whether uh, how they wanted to cancel his contract with the payment and all that. So I think it's going to take him maybe a good month to get back up to speed. So maybe might not have the uh, instant impact that you said. Yeah, it will be interesting to see if they bring in any other striker because they certainly need something. If it does take Adebayo a bit of time to get up to speed, then. You know, a month. You can't really wait a month for that in in the Premier League, and something needs to change because the the uh, strikers haven't been doing the business so far this this season. You would say Belassi's closing in on a recovery. I think that's due next month now, um, and that would be a huge thing for Palace because I think this run of form has just come about when he hasn't been in the team. Obviously, he's not a one man team. He doesn't guarantee things being turned around, but he's such a key player for them. He really epitomises what makes Palace so dangerous and so good. And I think once they get him back with, with the threats of, you know, Sacco's injured as well now for a couple of uh, months. But when he's fit, him, Zahar, Punchin, Balassi, just such an attacking front line. And I keep coming back to it. If they just have some clinical striker up there to to put their crosses into the back of the net, then it could really work out for them. And the fact that they cross the ball so many times, Adebayo's got the height, he's got the strength in there to be an aerial threat as well as his quality on the floor. So... If it does, yeah, it might take a bit of time to come up to speed. But if if he does work out, then I think it could be a really shrewd signing from Pardew. Yeah, I've just seen a tweet just a minute ago actually uh, saying that Swansea potentially could be going for Dwight Gale uh, at Palace, which would obviously leave uh, Palace a striker light now that they've got Adebayor. But interesting situation at Swansea, isn't it, with the whole IU? Uh, There's constant rumours linking IU with uh, Sunderland, even though I mean Sam Allardyce must be a real fan of IU because he's only joined Swansea in the summer and. Obviously, he has impressed this season, but there's rumours that um, Sunderland have offered Barini and, say, uh, £10 million for IU, which, given how much Barini's uh, recently gone for, that makes IU worth you know over £20 million. It seems a bit stupid, but Sunderland um, seem really keen on IU. Well, I think it would be a fantastic signing for them if they can get it. It's a lot of money, but I think he's got the quality to... If him, him alongside Defoe I think they've got the quality to fire Sunderland perhaps the safety eater I do really rate Ayu I think he was one of the signings of the season so far even with Swansea's struggle so far this season 
from a, the player's point of view, I don't really see why he would make the switch. I'd have Swansea as favourites to stay up ahead of uh, Sunderland every single day of the week. Could really only be money if he's going to make that switch. But yeah, I can see why Allardyce is very interested in him. At the same time, I can see why Sun, uh, Swansea don't want to lose him. I think if they lose him, their chance of staying up rapidly diminish and it would be a similar question to why they sold Shelby to Newcastle. Why would you sell one of your best players to one of your relegation rivals? It, w- it wouldn't make any sense for them to do it. I don't really see that one coming to, to, uh, to fruition, to be honest with you. Sunderland may try, but there'll be no reason really for Swansea to do it unless they really need the money, which I think they need to stay in the Premier League a lot more than they'd need that money. Okay, yeah, just uh, quickly before we finish, um, as a Liverpool fan, what do you make of the um, rumours linking uh, yourselves with Teixeira at Shakhtar Donetsk? Yeah, interesting. He seems like a very exciting player and uh, certainly one that could improve our attacking form, which has wavered at times this season. It's improved, obviously, in recent weeks, but the big sticking point of the que- uh, is the question over the price at the moment. You know, Shakhtar holding out for 35, 40 million, Liverpool are going for more like 23, 25 million, I think. I think he's the last real asset Shakhtar I've got. They've sold off a lot recently in, in recent years um, of players who the top European teams want. And I think he's the last one of their real expensive assets. So they want to squeeze every every single pound they can out for him. And that's going to make things difficult for uh, Liverpool. I think if it does happen, it might be more likely to happen in the summer now rather than January. And I think Liverpool... I think it'd be a good signing for them, but I think they'll be hoping that someone doesn't snap him up before they do because in recent years, every player like that they've gone for, either Tottenham or Chelsea or Man City, have come in and seemed to get there first. So there's there's a question of getting it done quickly, but I think it definitely would be a good signing for them, but probably going to happen in the summer rather than January now. Yeah, well, yeah, there's not, obviously not long left to go now until the transfer window shuts, just four days, and we're still waiting for that. You know, big money move because I think the most expensive move is still Newcastle's uh, 12 million for Shelby and Townsend. So it'd be certainly uh, very interesting to see what happens in the next four days. Um, we'll be covering it all on sportsmall.co.uk the next four days. We'll have a live blog on uh, on Monday night to uh, take you through deadline day. So make sure you check that out. Um, thanks for joining us today, Barnes, um, and thanks very much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. Um, so we'll see you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.